0: And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. We made this! I used to live my life a quarter mile at a time. But things changed. I'm a father now. I will always be in your heart. Little Brian, I have a gift for you. Your daddy gave me this, and now I'm gonna give it to you. It's very special. It's for protection from what's coming. All right, Dom, what's next? no matter how fast you are. I am not too big compared to you. No one outruns their past. I am more easy. You trying your best to become me. And mine just caught up to me.
1: Welcome everybody to Real Talk, the official movie podcast of the We Made This Podcast Network. I am Jason, and Real Talk is a show designed to both react to new cinema and also find a way to talk about movies we love, like, and maybe sometimes we hate. This episode, we are doing F9. Fast and Furious 9. Furious 9 call it whatever you will it is the fast saga and joining me today is craig craig how are you buddy i'm doing good how are you
2: i'm ready to spend the next quarter mile of my life discussing fast and furious nine furious nine fast nine it has a million titles who knows
1: it does but remember though you're doing it for family
2: always do everything for family
1: This franchise has gotten in so many different directions in the last 20 years. Uh, It started off as a very simple, you know, kind of a movie heist type film, and now it just broadened into this sci-fi space slash submarine slash superhero type film. What do you make of this franchise in the last two decades?
2: So I've never been a fan of the franchise. I remember I came quite late to the first one. I ended up seeing it on TV when it finally made it to terrestrial television, as we call it in the UK. Or council TV if you want to be more, I don't know, more colloquial, I suppose. But I remember watching it and being really unimpressed. I found it really dull and I remember everybody gushing about it at the time, everybody saying how great it was and then I finally got to see it and I was like, really? This? What is this? So I just ignored the franchise after that because I thought, it's not for me. It's definitely not for me. And then you get Vin Diesel coming back in four, five is where The Rock shows in and it gets more, as you say, ridiculous as time goes on and it just ramps up and up and up. And I didn't really engage with it until I was living with a flatmate that I was living with a few years ago and we decided to go through the Fast movies and the Resident Evil movies. We just sort of alternated them just whenever we had a free night or whatever (laughs) and we're just watching them. So... I got through the franchise and then eventually I grew to be the... I only enjoyed the eighth one, weirdly. It's the only one that I like out of the lot of them. And I saw Hobbs and Shaw in the cinema and I didn't like that either. So I'm going to preface this whole discussion by this franchise is not for me. (laughs) But I do understand why people like it. I do understand why people get a lot out of it. And it's just what it's doing doesn't resonate with me in the way that it does with others. It seems the reaction to this film suggests that it's not resonating with big fans of the franchise either I don't know Um, I don't know what your connection to it is or what whether you agree with that but um, certainly this film wasn't necessarily for me
1: I can understand the whole bipolarism of this franchise there's a few people that I talk to that absolutely detest this entire thing they think it's a joke and there are people who love the franchise who count down for the next movie, and I personally enjoy them for the same reason why a lot of people hate it because it's so cheesy and over the top that it's ridiculous, and it's gotten to the point where you just have to enjoy it and for what it was or for what it is, and that's just a super or now a superhero movie that's just about you know ass-kicking and just driving nice cars, and it got to the point of that ridiculousness right around, I think, Furious 7. And I will remember this. The other ones were pretty insane, too, but 7, where there was a moment in the fight scene between Vin Diesel and Jason Statham, whom, by the way, I love Jason Statham's movies. Love the Transporter movies, love Crank. They're all fantastic in their own ways. Towards the end of the scene, they're having a fight, and they were at the top of this garage and it started to rumble because of another terrorist attack from the outside that was destroying the city. And they're staring at each other as the garage is falling apart. And Vin Diesel looks at Sticktham and he does this ridiculous one liner. Goes, You know the thing about street fights? Goes into a dramatic music. The street always wins. And he stops. Stomps on the garage and the entire thing collapses. And I'm like, that doesn't happen! No! That is not a real thing! And from that point on, I was convinced, alright, this is like a borderline superhero film where Vin Diesel is like the Iron Man of the Fast franchise. So I get why people are like, this is too stupid, but at the same time, I love that stupidity of it. And this one, this movie that we're gonna talk about is absolutely no different whatsoever. The moment they talked about space, I was like, yep. They're not pulling back at all.
2: It does lean into its stupidity, and that bit that you're talking about is equally ridiculous. But there's all this weird background stuff to the franchise as well that I've sort of picked up on. It's all this stuff about counting punches, or they have it in their contracts to not lose a fight, so you can't have Vin Diesel lose a fight. So it just means there's no jeopardy in any of the action sequences because you know that he can't lose, contractually can't lose. Or at least I know that. Maybe the audience typically don't know that. But it's things like, in that fight you're talking about, Nobody wins. It's just they get separated, and it's it's stuff like that. So, and this whole feud he has with the Rock, it's just it's so childish, it's so ridiculous. And it's that bit where he comes out and says he treated him like crap because he wanted to get a better performance out of him. So, well, yeah, because people respond at their best in toxic work environments. Well done, Vin. And then also, you're not getting a better performance out of the Rock. You're getting what you get out of him. You get the Rock. That's what you've got. You've You've got that to work with and that's it. So, yeah, there's no need to treat him like crap to make him work harder because he just does what he does. But it's so weird. He seems like a very weird guy, does Vin Diesel.
1: Yeah, I always found him to be a very... Acquired taste that's what it seems like for his movies i remember when he was doing the fa- the first fast and the furious movie he didn't want to do the second one and there was reasons because he didn't think it would be a success and i heard another rumor that he doesn't do f- sequels which made sense because he refused to do a pitch black sequel or the triple x sequel so i thought okay that checks out for his you know ego i suppose and then all of a sudden you know the Fast franchise kind of it blew up it kind of popped right after tokyo drift so i don't know if maybe universal was like let's give him more money so that he can come back and make this even bigger or maybe because vin finally realized that this was a franchise that wasn't gonna go away anytime soon so we hopped on i didn't get the whole uh research on that i just knew that the you know after Tokyo Drift, it did seem like it was kind of a little bit flat, so they figured that Vin needs to come back. I don't know who made the first offer. But yeah, the whole thing with him and The Rock was very petty. I always was on Team Rock when this whole thing started because it just sounded ridiculous. And The Rock... Mm -hmm. You listen to all of his stuff on his Instagram, his uh, his Twitter. He's a genuinely good person, it seems like. So why would you want to start beef with this guy who could also probably rip your head off in real life? You know, he does hit (laughs) the gym like 23 hours out of the 24 hours. So don't understand Vin's whole, you know, beef with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I thought the whole thing was very childish, And I, I guess I just read something a few weeks ago that they've kind of buried the hatches, so now they're okay again. So maybe we'll see The Rock in the Last Fast uh, movie. Who knows now?
2: Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure money talks, right? And they can always film separately like they did in the eighth one, so they don't have to share the scenes <laughs> together.
1: I remember watching the eighth one, and The Rock tried to sell it like, you know, you can tell there was some real dra- uh, drama in this film between the two of us. And I'm like what, you guys staring at different ends of the room? Like, is that the drama we're trying to see here? So, <laughs> uh, I don't know what he meant yeah. by that, but yeah, they'll probably have to do that if there is still beef, or there still is beef between the two of them.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't really care either way, to be honest. It's just It's just such childish stuff. And yeah, I think Vin came back to the franchise because all of his plans didn't pan out for the other stuff he wanted to do. He didn't become that sought-after leading man that he wanted to be, so it was come back to this. And then there's something about getting the rights to Riddick for appearing in the cameo in the third one as well, so that might have enticed him in some way. And then, yeah, there's weird quotes from him about how he thought a sequ- he didn't want to do a sequel because they weren't taking a Francis Ford Coppola approach or something like that. And It's as if they would for a film about street racing. Well, what do you mean by this? So He, he does seem to have a very weird view of his own career.
1: A little bit. <laughs> but... You know what, though? It worked. After how many years of just street racing, it's made him the star. He doesn't have to do a thing with his life. Just keep spitting these movies out, and he's gold. I mean, he makes more than, I think, the average person.
2: (laughs) Oh, for sure, yeah. But I don't get it. I just don't get it. I, I don't find him engaging as a leading man. I find him bizarre to watch. I feel like he sucks the energy out of any scene he's in. He's incapable of emoting. He's just... Like, why are you in this? What is this? How did you get here? I don't get
1: it. He's a better actor when he's in an ensemble cast, like the Fast franchise. But when I saw him in, like, Triple uh, X or uh, that one movie he did, I think it was in 2004, um, A Man Apart, you know, where it was actually a serious movie, it wasn't his best work. You know, you look back on his career and it's like him as the leading guy and only the guy and the entire franchise is around him like that, it just doesn't work well it at least doesn't stick too well but if you put him in a cast with like you know Ludacris or uh, paul walker uh, jordana brewster all those guys it works because it's not always on him but when it is on him like during certain scenes it's like okay it's a little bit over the top it's a little bit too comic booky for a movie that's not a comic book
2: and those other actors they'll do the heavy lifting in the scenes as well i don't think it's down to him actually being any good i'm not convinced he is I don't think I've ever seen a performance from him. I'm like, oh good. Yeah, well done there. Um, My favorite film of his is The Pacifier because I just find it so ridiculous, but I wouldn't say he's very good in it.
1: I mean, it's fair enough. Only reason why I keep enjoying going to it is because, like I said before, it's just super over the top to the point where it's kind of like watching a, a car wreck. You know, you want to stop and see, all right, what's this about? So I just keep gravitating to that and it's like, yeah, you got my money, so I'll watch this for two and a half hours. So we want to dive into the uh, the Fast 9 movies and talk about what we saw and what we didn't like. Sure. So let's just give everybody a, a quick summary on yeah, what this sure. movie was about. We find out, after 9 movies, 10 of you include Hobbs and Shaw, that Vin Diesel has a brother. Dom Toretto has a long-lost brother named Jacob. And... This one is the evil Toretto that, I guess, joined the military, some secret Kovatov military force, and just wanted to be the better brother. He wanted to be that younger brother that would be, I guess, would overlook Dom's entire uh, success in his life. And... He goes into this crazy ter- domestic international terrorist heist to try to rep- retrieve this uh, this the ass's gem or these these two devices that when you sync up together forms this project called Project Ares, which pretty much controls the entire world, which is similar to what we saw in Fast and Furious Six, uh, instead and seven. So same exact plot with different characters. <laughs> I did like the story a little bit. Because it was someone different, but having said that, you really had to dig deep into, well, how – why was this person not even mentioned at all in the last 20 years? Like, you literally just created this character out of thin air, and it kind of worked for me because, you know – they never really dove into dom's past and in this movie they really focused on that whole scene where his father just blew up in that racetrack a few uh, several years ago they did the entire flashback scenes they did uh a lot of things that led up to dom getting arrested and being sent to uh, lompoc for two years and they slowly threw in uh, Jacob Toretto in there and at this one scene Dom you know comes back from Lompoc and goes you know I want to race you and he's like oh typical that's how you're going to settle this in a quarter mile race so they do that and the, st- the stipulations are you know if Dom wins Jacob has to go away and never return which you know so- Spoiler alert, Dom always wins. So, Dom won the race, and Jacob was never seen or heard from a gun again until present day, where he tries to take these devices. So, that led us to this, this whole chase. You bring back... Oh my god, what's her name? Big... Charlize Theron. Holy crap, she's a big actress, too. You bring her back into the mix. She's in there. She's... Locked up by uh, Jacob Toretto and uh, this, terror- this other terrorist, this uh, embassy leader. And it's just another, you know, ensemble get-together of, hey, we got to stop these guys from running the world again. Like, they always do somehow. You know, these random guys who just boost cars for a living are going to be doing this. So what is your take on that whole entire thing yeah. of... You know, going from car booster to, to this.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's the, the ship has sailed on that, hasn't it? It was. It the franchise starts with Dominic Toretto and his gang stealing DVD players, and now they're in space. And it's the trajectory. It's like, how did we get here? How did this happen? What that, that makes absolutely no sense. How you would go from this to this, and it's almost like there are two different franchises. There's that street racing, petty well, not petty theft, but you know, um, criminal. Underworld franchise and then there's this Spies with Cars franchise that just happen to share characters. And I think if you look at, for example, Tyrese's character, Roman, he's not the same guy in Fast... or Too Fast, Too Furious as he is later on. Because he's not the, the wisecracking, almost fourth wall-breaking guy when he's introduced and he becomes that later on, which really works for him. I think he's my favourite character. He's almost the Deadpool of the Fast franchise, in a way. I really like... Tyrese and I uh, like that character I totally get that he makes a film for me <laughs> in a lot of ways it's just very funny, It just is, he just works and it's the plot in this film I don't really care about it it's just, it is what it is I think the the family backstory I mean it's, it's like with anything if it runs long enough they'll have to dig up some long lost family member to generate drama and that's exactly what they've done here and I don't think they do very much with it the flashbacks feel tedious and long there's too many of them And they're very repetitive. They don't really give you a lot of information. I think it is just an excuse to have that one callback to street racing roots that they seem to have in every film. You know, in every film they somehow turn up to a race meet because they need to talk to someone. And Dom will race the person that he needs to talk to. And then they'll get on with the rest of the plot, which has nothing to do with street racing. So I feel like that's what the flashbacks were an excuse for. And John Cena's really, really underused, actually. The guy playing the younger version of him, I think, must have more screen time. So it's almost like he's playing the older version of the flashback guy rather than the flashback guy playing the younger version of him. So, yeah, the the plot is really meaningless. It made it very difficult for me to invest in anything. It's just we're going across the globe and into space to chase a MacGuffin. And that's all it is. I mean, that's what a lot of action movies are. But it didn't give me enough to latch on to in the meantime, which meant I felt I was pretty bored. When there wasn't car chases going on, I was bored because it was just people yammering on about stuff that I didn't care about
1: I uh, yes that is the one thing that one of the few things that I did not like about this movie was a lot of that when there was dialogue there was a lot of unnecessary dialogue that was like alright we right, we're tr- they're trying to like, draw emotions from these guys and it's like we're not here for that we're here for the fighting we're here for the action we're here for the racing and there was just certain moments, like with Dom going back and, you know, I get what they were trying to do, trying to bring some emotion out of Vin Diesel himself with the whole his kid thing and, you know, trying to do things for his son. I get that. But that's not why a lot of people are here for. They're just trying to draw emotions out of him of being like a good father, being the father that his dad was never around to do. That was the part that I was like, I want to look at my phone and go, how much time do we have left here? This is a little bit going a little too long now. Yeah, the dialogues could have probably scaled back. I didn't care for – I didn't mind too much of the flashback scenes. I thought they were pretty good. When they mentioned it in the very first Fast and Furious movie, I thought, oh, you know, there was something to this. If you really wanted to, you could do a prequel out of that, I suppose. Not a long one, maybe like a good – like a six-part miniseries event. But then they did this in Fast 9, so I thought, okay – no need to do a prequel anymore, you kind of just wrapped up everything there, you don't really need to dive any further, so, you know, you, you saw a glimpse of the gang during that street race between Dom and Jacob, you saw uh, uh, Letty, you saw Mia, you saw, I believe, Vince and Leon and all those guys, but that was pretty much, like, the, you know, the nostalgic point of view, like, oh my god, you know, that's them, that was the crew from back in the first movie, but not really, because it was different actors, or are younger, but otherwise, yeah, the dialogue was a little bit uneventful. I could have gone with a little less of it, and a little more of, you know, just... I would even prefer Jacob just, you know, having a fit and just saying, I want to be the better Toronto and just drive a car into somebody. At least that would have been a little more eventful. Yeah, I agree. Dialogue, yeah, Could have been a little less of it.
2: It's also unclear if Jacob actually killed... Th- the father. It's unclear if he actually did it. I, I mean, I think he did, but the film makes it kind of ambiguous because Dom says to him, "You were the last person under the hood of his car," and then he died like a minute later. So it must have been you. And then he doesn't deny it, but you also you never get the explanation of why he did it, other than the you were the favourite son. But again, you don't get that. I mean, you're spent. It spends so much time saying nothing, which is the problem. I think if you if you want to tell us a story here, tell us the story instead of just having all these tough guys posturing against each other, which is just, it's just boring. And yeah, so I didn't, I didn't really understand that whole favorite son, not favorite son thing. It didn't make any sense.
1: It kind of made Vin, well, Dom look like the bad guy in that one. Not the bad, not like the. No, like they just made him look like oh we're going to favor this guy we're going to choose this one over the younger one at that point you want to sympathize Jacob Toretto and why would you when he's the one trying to take over the entire world and kill his younger brother it's like no I want to hate him I don't want to go oh I get his reason for being an asshole now
2: yeah it was just so flimsy everything was so flimsy and that that makes it difficult to watch because it's a very long film it's far too long and most of the time that most of the bloated runtime is just people sitting around talking about nothing.
1: I think the movie clocked at two and a half hours, just under two and a half, which might be the longest movie they've done. And it yeah, it Something didn't need ahead. to go that long. You could have clipped the few scenes away. You could have put one in the deleted scenes section for their Blu-ray, but it did not have to be that long. I think I agree. It could have been chopped down by at least another half an hour and it would have been just fine. It would deliver. It would have had the same delivery.
2: Easily. Yeah.
1: So uh, the other big elephant in the room in this movie was Han's death. Asterisk mark because he's not dead. He comes back in this movie. What did you think of that?
2: I just I thought it was as ridiculous as anything else. That's like yeah they faked my death and it's this event that happens in um, Tokyo Drift, which in Tokyo Drift it's just an accident, isn't it? There's no indication that anyone's responsible. And then it was Jason Statham that did it, and then it was Kurt Russell that set it all up to make it look like Jason Statham killed him. So does Jason Statham still think he killed Han? Or is he in on it too? The post credit scene is kind of alluding to
0: MIDI clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
2: Some kind of reckoning on their that part? I don't know if it was all part of the same thing because, yeah, I just don't get it. But yeah, it just seems mental. But it's just, you're in this car crash the The car explodes and you're fine, but somehow they faked your death. They don't explain how they fake the death, and it's not important. It is just that they fake the death. But again, our main man Tyrese is like, "But you are in a car that exploded. How did you walk away from that?" But yeah, it's a death is meaningless now, right? So there's no reason that I forget her name, Gal Gadot can't come back because all she did was fall off a plane.
1: Exactly, and now. If I could dislike or hate one thing about this entire franchise, or this movie, it was that one thing in particular with everything you just said. So basically, yeah, Tokyo Drift had no real connection. I mean, it does, because you brought some of the cast members back, but otherwise the story meant nothing anymore, because Han j- died, died, quote-unquote died, and then comes back back, but they don't explain how he comes back. Like, their, the lamest excuse was magic. Like, because Mr. Nobody just somehow grabbed him before the car exploded. Oh, it was just good magic by Mr. Nobody. Like, are you kidding? Like, you had all of this time. I mean, granted, when I watch a movie and I try to pick things apart. I go, okay, well, if I had the pen and paper, maybe this is how I would do it to get myself out of this corner. And I couldn't think of a reason. So maybe these guys who get paid to do it could actually figure out a way to bring Han back creatively. And they didn't. They just used magic as a way to say, hey, uh, this didn't happen, so here you go. Like, oh. You really had nothing for this guy. And, yeah. Like, now and on top of that yeah like you said now gal gadot could be coming back at any point because all you did was just see her fly out of the plane and into the darkness but did she die we don't know now all bets are off that any character could come back how many times have we seen vin diesel just miraculously escape from a uh, a life-threatening situation we saw deckard shaw get shot by dumb in furious 7 came back to life we see uh and we saw Han come back to life mysteriously so now Giselle could yeah. come back at Fast 10 and she can say Man. the other complaint that I had was within the same thing was that yeah, Mr. Cool. Nobody hired Giselle but when at what point during the franchise did Giselle work with Mr. Nobody because she was with the gang in Fast 5 and then by Fast 6 she died and Like, where does she, like, did she fake her death then? Like, I'm trying to figure out the connection that Mr. Nobody and Giselle knew each other, and she said, you can trust Han because he's one of the good guys. When does she have the time to say that? Like, I don't know. Maybe I missed something. Maybe I didn't think I didn't connect point A to point B, but I kind of figured that that's kind of critical if she knows Mr. Nobody and Han, and she can tell Han or Mr. Nobody to trust Han then does that make me think that she's still alive? Or is that just put a plot hole in there? Like, where did this conversation take place to save Han?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm the wrong person to ask. I barely remember her role within the films that she was in. So it's, I don't know. I can't remember if she was working with, Mr. Nobody or not, but as you say, she was with the gang. So I think they're trying to do all this grand plan that's been happening all along type plotting, the same thing they did in Spectre, which didn't work. The whole, we've been running the show the whole time and you didn't realise it because doesn't uh, Jacob mention about been watching Dom's spy career from afar himself and he worked with Mr. Nobody as well. So it seems like there is some kind of, it was me all along, Reveal coming because doesn't Cypher mention that she's been pulling strings for a while as well? So, I mean, it's is it going to be oh, everything that's happened has been like preordained? And then they bring in this whole maybe we're invincible thing, so is there some kind of guardian angel making sure they survive? We don't know, or is it just a joke? But it seems like they spent a lot of time mentioning the invincible thing just for a joke. So, I don't know, are we going to find out that there's some higher being pulling the strings in Fast 10? I wouldn't put it past them at this point
1: Quarter mile race Dom versus God
2: <laughs> <laughs> With, I mean how much Where else can they go I suppose the, Yeah. The, how much more can it escalate
1: I have no idea But yeah you brought up a good point there They kept bringing up Invincible or Invincibility Almost throughout the entire film And they're I mean nobody Died I don't think No one important at least so that's kind of, I guess, the the moral of the story. We don't die. So I don't get why. Like, I assume that when Tyrese's character kept saying, you know, we're invincible. We're going to be invincible. Like, We don't get scars. We don't get marks. Why? I, I thought that was going to be like, oh, my God, someone's going to die in this movie. But no, it was just, you know, yeah. No, we're pretty much godlike right now because yeah. no one did get hurt. They got... They got thrown into space, and the alternative, I believe, was going to be well, we're just going to get stranded here forever. And, obviously not, they got saved, they got rescued by somebody from ground control. So, what was the point of that, you know, that message for two and a half hours, that they're invincible? Yeah. We agree? Like, I don't know.
2: Plus, you see uh, Dom get put through, like, a, a brick wall, essentially. His head gets put through the, like, a brick or it may not be brick but stone or whatever and he doesn't even flinch he just goes right through it and then there's the guy that whose head goes through that metal street sign and he's fine and he's just a henchman as well so yeah, the, the rules of the universe apply to him too
1: <laughs> right right that goes back to the whole superhero yeah. thing like he just got whaled by a street sign a giant street sign nothing I'm like alright that's your supervillain right there. That's like your taskmaster. You just didn't uh, yeah. feel a thing. Well,
2: that's, I think that's the problem with the action, though. I never feel like anyone's in danger. Things just happen. and I never feel like Dom's going to die if he doesn't get there quick enough. Or someone's going to die if they don't get there quick enough. It's, even though they're driving across a minefield, you know that they're in a car that isn't fast enough to beat the explosion. But still, nothing.
1: Yeah and actually a, an example for that was the scene where you thought Dom was going to die which you, no one knew no one thought he was going to die but they made it scene that way was when he was being attacked by those gangs in um, I guess their compound yeah. or Mr. Nobody's compound and <laughs> in superhero fashion he takes the chains and he just drags the entire thing down and the entire compound just collapses because you know a normal guy can do yeah. that and <laughs> Everything just collapses on top of him, and he goes into the water, and you assume that he's going to drown, and he has, like, this huge revelation of his life and his past and his son, and the one thing that was funny was – not funny, but, like, really – was that he had these flashbacks, and now he's seeing – his brother Jacob do these things like he's sabotaging his father's cars like how like in no way could you see that in you know normal time but yet you can see that when your life is flashing before your eyes I don't I mean I'm not I've never died before but I can't see that being that's what happens like you now you're standing next to your brother who is causing these events but you know, suspending bully for a second he doesn't die though getting to the point like he just comes right out of the water while letty saves him and he just has a couple of scratches on his head and just wakes up like yep that was just a good nap gonna go ahead and kill some bad guys <laughs> now like <laughs> that's just, yeah. all right like I, I can't be i can't be surprised about that anymore now you just gotta laugh at it
2: yeah how did letty get in the room because he locked the door as well like from the inside so she couldn't get in that was the whole point yeah, but yeah. I don't know. Logic, what is logic in these films? It doesn't exist. It's just, but that's the problem for me is th- there's no definition of any parameters of how things work. So it's just, how's Dom going to get out of this one? Letty will get in. It's like, did she face through the door? I mean, she might as well have. I don't know if she has that ability. But, and then during the car chases, you know, the big action sequences, it's just, things are happening and there's never any danger associated with any of it. It's just they'll try something and it'll work every
0: time and then that's it. And
2: I, yeah, I, I find that just a bit...
0: of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free
1: right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for
2: details. Difficult to engage with because I'm just sitting there thinking, there's no jeopardy here. There's no tension. It's just stuff happening.
1: The entire time, especially during the the space scene, I knew... Like, there was never... My heart wasn't racing enough for me to go, oh my god, is this the end, really? But... I do love a good action scene that just makes you shut your brain off for that moment and go, this is actually pretty cool to watch. Watching it was pretty fun. Like when they had the magnets to their cars and every time they cranked it, they would like suck in everything metallic around them and just crush everything in sight. And how they captured Jacob was pretty cool too when they uh, ma- maximized the magnet and it just slammed right into the truck. I thought that was a pretty fun effect. So to take away any positive from the movie, like anything that's like, you gotta go see this, or at least, you know, stream it, uh, it's just the action sequence. I thought they were pretty engaging, you know. You definitely had a lot more in this, I think, than any of the other movies individually. Like, I think this had the most action in their movie.
2: Yeah, I think it was entertaining and creative by itself. It's just when the characters aren't in any clear danger, I'm just, I'd switch off a little bit after a while. The magnets were funny because they only magnetized what the characters needed them to magnetize. So it pulls a car through a building, but nothing is actually right. in the building. That kind of stuff. But that's you know, that's sci-fi nonsense, isn't it? It's the this device works like this, but it only works like this on certain things. It only magnetizes exactly what we need it to magnetize, which is yeah, I was fine with that. I guess I just I, I laugh about it and dismiss it. But yeah, uh, there's some cool stunts. There's some cool driving stuff. There's there's definitely some cool stuff in there. I just wish that at some point I felt like, oh, someone might actually die if they miss, like, miss this. You know, for example, the swinging the car on the, the rope on the bridge. It's, you know, you that, that would take thousands of calculations to figure out the right speed, the right point of impact, everything. But Dom just does it. <laughs> you know, is he a master mathematician that he can do that in his head like that?
1: Um, when i was watching that scene that's my favorite scene i think is the whole rope uh, jump scene from with the the charger onto the other side of the the i don't know the the land the and I liked it. I thought it was a pretty good effect. But yet, yeah, to your point, like, you need to really study what you're about to do with a car, no less. Like, that's difficult for a human being to do, you know, as a person. But for you to just go, we'll assume, at least 90 miles an hour and drive through the the pole and grab the rope with your axle and then swing on the other side. That doesn't take, you know, a few seconds to think about. You need to mathematically put together a idea how you're going to get the point A to point B without crashing into the ground. And he just did it. I got an idea. And just does it. Like, again, logic is completely out the window here. Having said that, that was fun to watch.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, it's entertaining. It looks good and it's. Yeah, it's a cartoon, isn't it? That's what it is. Yeah, essentially a cartoon.
1: They may, and then going back to the original point that we had in the open here, they made Vin Diesel ridiculously smart without being smart. Like no one else could do that, but somehow he can only do that. Like, mm, not true, but again, fun to watch.
2: Yeah, if you're into that sort of thing, yeah, it's it's what it is, I think. And yeah, I was entertained at some points. It's just. I guess it's like I've seen all the films, so I know to expect it from the films themselves. It's, just, uh, but I did find myself switching off in some of the, more in some of the later action sequences because it became clear to me that no one was in any real danger.
1: Right, and you know what? I think what's kind of. Um kind of a, a takeaway from that it kind of makes you go, eh, we know what's going to happen here is you know there's going to be a Fast and Furious 10 coming up in the horizon. You know it's going to happen. So you want the entire cast there as much as possible, which is why I would not be surprised if Gal Gadot reprised their role for the, sec- uh, for the 10th movie. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they managed to get The Rock back. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought every single main cast member from all 10 movies, unfortunately, minus Paul Walker, to finish off this entire franchise. So, yeah, you're not really expecting a whole lot of life-threatening situations from the cast members for this movie because you know they're going to come back for the last movie. So, at this point, it's just, alright, let's just take this for what it is. It's a fun action movie. We know these guys aren't going to die. And if they do die, there's a good chance they're just going to come back. Example Han. So, it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah. But, there was one cool moment though at the very end, and it wasn't like emotional, but it was like, oh, they put a, a uh, sent a nod out to Paul Walker's character was towards the end of the movie. We're about to say grace, and everyone's just sitting there, and then Mia goes, or not Mia, I forgot who said it, but something no somebody has said that. There's one seat, oh, empty, and everyone looks at it, and you know who they're referring to, and then Mia says, "Yeah, that was dumb that said." Yeah, that, and yeah. and then Mia says, "He's on his way," and people in the theater were like, "Oh, they're talking about Paul," and then you see the blue car come down, like doing like seventy in the highway, and then pulls up right up to the garage, and then ends credits. I was like, "Ah, that was a yeah. good play right there." So I enjoyed that. You know, you didn't see his character, but he was there. So that,
2: I mean, obviously that relies on you knowing that Paul Walker is dead uh, to have that, have the, the emotional punch in the same way that his exit in the seventh one, is it the seventh one that's his last one? Yeah, it will be, um, where it, it only makes sense if you know that he's dead, because it makes no sense for him to, for, for Dom to say, I'm never going to see my sister and nephew and best friend ever again. It makes no sense. And so it does rely on the audience knowing that, which, yeah, most of them will do, and But it also has a bit of a logic problem, again, another logic problem within the film itself, because she shows up, Mia, is that her name? Yeah, uh, Jordana Brewster's character. She shows up and says, oh yeah, uh, Brian's at home looking after the kids. Would he really leave you to go off on your own? And he would be like, I'm just going to chill here with the kids while you go off and risk your
1: life. No, he No, you know full well when Mia said that to Brian, she was like, I'll go after... with you. Like, this is not a discussion. Like, why am I sending my wife out there to die? Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll get a sitter. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Also, who was looking after Dom's kid? After they, like, because Letty left and then he left and, there's, and they live in the middle of nowhere. Who was that looking was, after yes. Dom's kid?
1: I, I'm, I'm walking thing. away, I'm going to my truck and I'm thinking who's watching their kid? Like, the entire time. Like, Dom doesn't have anybody. (laughs) Now I don't think Letty does either. So, who's watching him?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of... Yeah, the whole point is that they're isolated. (laughs) Like, is he watching himself? Is he, like, still in that bunker in the barn? Like, uh, get him out. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of logic just thrown out the window here, but it wasn't meant to be logical, clearly. It was just meant to be a fun popcorn flick. It's
2: just these things stand out they really stand out because
1: yeah if you're yeah. if you're because yeah, sound. if you're a smart viewer, you're going to ask these questions and go, wait a second. This one doesn't have a babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you're not supposed to think like that, apparently. Yeah. Not with this, with this franchise.
2: He's a Toretto. He's old enough to look after himself. <laughs> Dom was probably looking after himself and that age.
1: Little Brian Toretto is probably just fixing the other charger. The one of, like, 17 that they have somewhere in the garage, just waiting for Dad to come home.
2: There's food in the fridge. You live in the middle of nowhere. There's a hole you can hide in if anyone comes here. So just yeah.
1: You're <laughs> Here's this gun. Protect it. Do it for the family. <laughs> Having said that, the kid was cute. <laughs> Stabbed them with the box necklace. The kid was cute, though. Like When he was talking, the few yes. lines that the kid had, I was like, aw. Alright, cute moment right there but otherwise yeah
2: better actor than vin diesel i would say
1: this being wrapped up what is the 10th one going to be like in your prediction like what can they do now like i mean you've pretty much wrapped family you tapped space you tapped like submarines like Good. what is next for this movie to go to wrap up well, i
2: don't know i mean like it's like you say they've gone to space like what is the next escalation from that and it's I said in my review, you know, Dom and Letty are brought back in for one more mission. Other than the next two confirmed, one more mission that they'll get pulled in for. So it's it's weird. Although is the end supposed to signify? Because I don't remember they they have an emotional attachment to that house that they keep ending up at and having barbecues. There's a few films that end with those family barbecues isn't there so does the house get blown up at some point I can't remember but because it was being rebuilt like you could see the the, the scaffolding and whatever so is that Dom and Letty moving back into the old neighbourhood to be part of the world again I don't know but
1: no Furious 7 Deckard Shaw Blew up the house when so he was trying to. After he killed Han, he tried to kill them at the same time, but he didn't right. succeed, and succeed with that one. But yeah, the house blew up. Not the garage, though, that had the charger. He didn't succeed with anything.
2: <laughs> he, he managed nothing. Statham, poor Jason Statham, he's actually not killed anybody ever. <laughs> that's, that's what's coming. No, up. he
1: never has. The most brilliant assassin in the world has not assassinated a single person. Because <laughs> Idris Elba will come back.
2: He just fell in a river or whatever, so you'll be fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. And also, one of the few illogical things is the, the Dodge Charger. It comes back every... Don't get me wrong, I love the Dodge Charger. I'm a Charger guy. prefer Camaros more, but it just doesn't go away. And it got me angry at the end of, I think it was Fast and Furious 4, when it blew up. Like, it wasn't like, oh, it got totaled, or it flipped, or it fell off a building. No, it physically exploded in a cave, and then the cave collapsed, and yet somehow the damn thing <laughs> comes back not four more times. So I don't understand how yeah. they keep dragging this thing out and say, oh, we're just going to rebuild it, and then it's there in full form. Yeah,
2: you take care of it, it will live forever. That's what Tom's dad said. Yeah,
1: it's just a scuff, Mark. Yeah. You know like Yeah,
2: that's it. It's just a scratch. The car is invincible. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say about the, the Edinburgh sequences, I have to mention the Edinburgh sequences because I live in Edinburgh. So the uh, I thought the Edinburgh portion of the movie was quite entertaining. Uh, it was kind of extra entertaining for me because of the geography. It was all wrong. And I know I can't really criticise it for that because anybody who lives in New York or any city that's normally used as a setting for a film will be experiencing the same thing. How did they get from here to here by that but it was yeah they were driving through portals they would, you, they would turn corners and be on the other side of the city and i found that really amusing and uh, john cena just ziplining across the whole city as dom chased him on the roof of the museum and stuff like that and um, it's i know it's great to see the city i live in and the cinema because i'm like oh no there i've been past there it's you know there's a novelty to that and the fact that it is itself is um was good as well it wasn't pretending to be anywhere else and
1: yeah, so that, that was fun that was fun mm. Yeah I mean I'm not too familiar with the, the geography of that thing that was one city that I was not familiar with like I you know you get you get a gist of like what Tokyo is and what uh, London is but I never understood that city so I wasn't too sure you know I'll, I'll take your word for it it may not be right I'm sure someone will disagree and correct that but I, I'm just gonna say okay. That looks fun.
2: It's pretty irrefutable. There's some corners they turn and they end up places that you wouldn't end up by turning yeah. on a particular corner. So it's either poorly edited or they We're going to go with
1: the latter on that one. They're just like, <laughs> we just got to make this work for the film. To hell with everything else. Yeah, pretty
2: much. Yeah.
1: It looked like it was for good effects and nothing more. Like, they didn't care. Like, oh, well, this doesn't fit. This does or doesn't fit. We just want these guys to look good doing it. And they just happened to chose that city.
2: Oh. Yeah. yeah, it was fun for me because I liked seeing it on the big screen and playing itself and weird in Avengers Infinity War they were very good with the geography actually uh, in terms of what they were doing so
1: I think I'll take one thing that I think think this director Justin Lin I think he's the one that's done the majority of the movies and he's the one that does a lot of the, uh, the bouncing from city to city he does a good job it sounds like and it looks like even that he pays attention to the geography and how accurate he wants to portray that city for the scene that he wants to do. So I'll give him props. He is scheduled to do the last Fast and Furious movie, Fast 10. So his work, when he, when it comes to this franchise, is very top-notch. He didn't do uh, 2, 3, 7, and 8, I believe. But I mean, I, I got faith in him for the next one. He did a good job, though, as far as like putting together the world for this film.
2: He knows what he's doing. There's no disputing that. And... Yeah, I just think that the material you had here wasn't necessarily very good. And I think a lot of the, the bloat in the runtime is that we're trying to cram in cameos from people from the franchise. And a lot of it didn't mean anything to me because I don't really know many of the characters well enough to be like, oh my god, it's that guy. I can't, I'm glad they're back. But like Helen Mirren's cameo, for example, Dom could have got that information in two seconds elsewhere instead of let's have a sequence where they drive around London running away from police. And it's, just, it's right. just an excuse to have her in it, which is fine. I mean, it's, I imagine Helen Mirren loves the fact that she can, you know, pretend to drive a car really fast around London. I imagine she's she's bang up for that. She's in, you know, she, she's in advancing years and she's getting to be a badass in a high-budget action franchise. So, yeah, cool, good for her. But it's at the same time, it's... Pointless. The the scene itself is really pointless.
1: It was a throwaway scene. I guess they just wanted to do that just to include someone from the Shaw family. And even though they had Jason Statham in there for like twenty seconds, um, they at least included her in there. The one cameo I did not care for was Cardi B. Why was she there? Like, that was very weird. I didn't get why she was. I mean, is she friends with somebody in the cast? Like, did she beg them? Did she do something for somebody? Like, it just felt weird to throw her in there in a very, I guess, important scene because you thought Don was arrested and was being taken away and she got them out. Like, yeah. All right. We need you there.
2: I couldn't remember if she'd been in it before because he was talking to her very with great familiarity it's like you you're such and such his little sister or whatever i can't remember exactly what he said but he clearly knew who she was so it left me wondering is this another person i've forgotten and i was prepared to accept that it was because again i don't have a lot of memory for what i've seen in the previous films especially the minor characters i know the rocket scientists they were in tokyo drift weren't they like one of them was that Teenager, so to speak, the thirty-year-old teenager. He, yeah,
1: he did not age well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that receding hairline was just yeah, bad. Was a teenager, until you know, like yeah. I mean, we get it. That it was a while ago. Woo. But I was happy, actually, happy to see that cast back. I mean, I forgot their real name. Well, wow, Ow and uh, Lucas Black came back for this. For I guess it was a cameo appearance, mm-hmm. and. It was a cool moment, nostalgic moment, because I didn't think they would come back. I was reading a lot, and I didn't really dive into who was really coming back for this movie, and they caught me off guard. And I'm like, "Oh my God!" They literally wrapped up every single person here that they could. Like, I think they missed maybe one or two people, but overall, they, that was that caught me off guard. So I'm like, "Awesome!" That was a pretty good one. But for Cardi B, I'm thinking like, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking hard like. How does he know her? What movie do they have a crossover or at least have, like, a mention? There was nothing that was sticking out. So I'm thinking that was just thrown in there for the sake of her having a few lines. Was, I don't know. It was odd. I did enjoy Statham's, uh, Jason Statham's cameo in the very end, though. That <laughs> – him hitting that punching bag and then he unzips to find out that he's punching an actual human being. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's just that savage and he's like just stay right there zips it back up and then you see Han on the other side of the door and then it closes to another end credit so I guess that opens yeah. up for either Hobbs and Shaw 2 or the 10th movie.
2: Yeah well it surprised me that Statham was in it because I didn't think that him and Vin Diesel were good friends anymore so it surprised me that Vin would allow him in the film even in a post credit yeah. uh,
1: I think If Vin has beef with anybody, he needs to just get over it because we're at the finish line here, no pun intended. We want to get this over with. We want to just see how this all wraps up. And so help me God, I will riot if I do not see the title called Fast 10, Your Seatbelts. See where I'm going there? I need that in the title. Wait, Surely
2: they have to get the X in there, don't
1: they? It's going to probably be FX or something like that. Yeah, it's going to be something along those lines. Fast 10 or fast, yeah, normal, yeah. Uh, Roman numeral X.
2: Uh, tagline might be Fast 10, fast ten your seatbelt.
1: That's what I'm going off to. Uh, don't they have a deal with Fox too, like, as far as like their movies go? Because I see a lot of their movies on FX, so it would be appropriate to call the last movie FX. Well,
2: it's 11, isn't it? That'll be the last one.
1: Are, are they? That's Is they? that what they're oh, doing? They're
2: filming back-to-back, apparently. Apparently so, yeah. I'm sure I read that somewhere, that they're planning to film the two of them back-to-back. Back then...
1: They'll probably just break off into the spin-off movies. Like I know that they're doing a Hobbs and Shaw sequel, though maybe they'll keep going with that. Maybe they'll do something with uh, uh, with Han as a spin-off. Uh, <laughs> I read this on a few articles. They all run to the same place, so I'm not going to take it for any seriousness. And I posted it on the Discord that... Vin Diesel wanted to work with Chris Pratt to do a Fast and Furious slash Jurassic World crossover, and I'm thinking, yes! Yes! How can you make this more over-the-top? You have Dom do a quarter-mile with the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yes! But we'll see about that. I think that's what this all is. It's just now, is everything, all these super, these, like, on, super ensemble groups are just ridiculous to the point where they just want to see things blow up. Which is true. Because I don't, at that point, you, if you're going this far, like, damn stories, just let's just see some cool stuff explode.
2: Yeah. And yeah, that's fine. Like I say, I think this franchise has its fans, and I'm just not one of them.
1: It's agreed, and like I say, I understand the distaste for it. I understand people are being apprehensive about it. I totally get it. My reason for liking it is the same exact reason why people don't like it. it. It's just so over the top, it's stupid, it's ridiculous, but. In a world where I think almost a lot of things are being politicized, TV shows, movies, it's good to watch something and just turn your brain off and say, this has nothing to do with reality. It's just over the top. It doesn't make sense. And I'm okay with that. For two hours, I am fine with it. Two and a half hours was a little bit long for this one, but for the most part, it was just a i didn't even think about the outside my phone was rarely even looked at when i looked over i was just like all right this, this, that's what time it is and that was it like i did not care i just enjoyed it for what it was and i think that's what made me continue to watch movies like this is that it wasn't politicized it wasn't uh, it had no agenda it was just fun even if it was stupid fun yeah
2: yeah, and I think there's a there's a place for that. And there's other stupid fun fun things that I like.
1: We're at the end of the finish. We're at the end here. Uh, the longest quarter mile ever, but some fans are saying, yeah. thank God, others are like, oh, me, I'm just... Yeah, well, it, was, it, ha- it had to end. So at least end it now before even I start to say F it. And I don't mean F it as in Fast and Furious it. I mean just done. Just end it now.
2: I think it will run itself into the ground eventually if they don't stop to it because like I say what's the escalation now? You've gone to space like what can you do next that'll be well that's more ridiculous than the last one
1: and me being a WWE fan I think it's now, now you're pulling people from that company, from that business you got John Cena, you got The Rock Roman Reigns made an appearance in Hopton Shaw is Vin Diesel going to fight him? is Vin Diesel going to make an appearance on Monday Night Raw or at WrestleMania? We can end it at just separating these two universes we don't need these worlds colliding I am happy with... Just yeah. ending it right na- like where we're at right now in Fast 10. <laughs> and I think that's it, right? Do we have any other notes, anything else to pick up from from uh, Fast Net, uh, F9? All right, guys, <laughs> and we're going to wrap that up. Thank yeah, you all yeah, for quick. listening. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, be sure to listen to all of our other content out there. And we made this credit You got anything to plug in?
2: Hey, so I'll be... Coming back for Rarely Going, the Star Trek Lower Decks podcast in August. So that's quite a while away, but it's not that far away. It'll be here before we know it. Podcast 616 I previously appeared on. I will reappear as a guest for the fifth episode of Loki, I believe. Outside of the network, you can find me on Neil Before Blog. That's on Facebook and Twitter and the website neilbeforeblog.co.uk where I'm currently reviewing mostly the DC TV shows. So The Flash, Superman and Lois, etc. And Loki as well. Um done a few interviews with people that are some some of them are in those shows actually um in minor ish roles, but they're great to talk to so you can check that out. There's a podcast attached to at Neil before pod uh on twitter you can find me on neil uh, under nemesis four nine o nine which again obliged to say not a Star Trek reference originally it started off as a Resident Evil reference and then became a Star Trek reference. That's my thing I have to say that um it's part of my we made this contract. So that's where you can find me, outside of here, doing all those things. So if you want to read some reviews and stuff, check me out.
1: Very nice, very nice. And you can find me at Gotham Upod. I'm on there uh, almost bi-weekly, sometimes a little bit more than that. We do a little bit of hiatus here and there. Uh, we're on We Made This Network also as well. Uh, we talk a lot about Batman-related stuff. Uh, me and Mike Slammer, that is... You- he has his own network with Star Trek as well. Look him up on uh We Are Starfleet. He's got some good content. Uh, and you can find me on my personal Instagram on Jason, Wait for at night and on Twitter and Instagram under the Gotham UPod net, uh Instagram and Twitter pages. So that is it then, guys. Uh, again, thank you for listening. Thank you for lending us your ear holes for the next hour or so, and uh That is it. We will see you next time. You all take care. Have a good one.
0: Elsewhere on We Made This.
1: The Movie Palace.
0: Yeah,
2: I can remember my first year in The Sound of Music quite distinctly, actually, because it was eight days ago. Um,
0: (laughs) You've never seen it before
2: that. Eight days ago was the first time I'd sat down to watch it from start to finish. Now, I always associate The Sound of Music, it's, it's interesting that you both talk about it as an Easter thing. It is associated with bank holidays here, but I don't think it's just easter um so i had seen a lot of these um sequences i think if i was inside on the
1: bank holiday when i was a child and the sounding music was on it was normally a bad thing because it meant it was raining and i couldn't go out and play football shipwrecked
2: and comatose a red dwarf podcast i've got five tattoos so i'm, I'm i started getting tattoos when i was um about five years ago, and it was just sort of one by one, I guess. So not not huge coverage, but I'm definitely uh, got the bug, so to speak. So, uh... <laughs> but the late the latest one was is the is the red dwarf one,
1: yeah. And that's the one you've decided to talk about today. Describe it for me.
2: Yeah. Free with this month's issue. Obviously, you must remember. The sign in musical exchanges.
0: I do, do indeed. not play. <laughs> yeah, but there was a few riffs, weren't there? That you weren't allowed to. Really play?
2: This being the top of them. Enter Sandman, Smoke on the Water, Stairway to Heaven. Anything wiggly above the twelfth fret. I think that song said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people that paid no attention to that shit. Remember when we yeah. almost got thrown out for playing with that delay pedal? <laughs> <laughs> yes amazing i also remember the day that i went in with my birthday money to musical exchanges to buy pedal and i ended up buying the boss hyper metal and i was insisting to the bloke that i was buying it from i was like i don't really play much metal i just like the sound of it i want to use it for sort of you know more experimental sounds like you're wearing a metallica t-shirt (laughs)
0: i'm not that into metal
2: actually i want to do something more like swans with it like uh, my bloody valentine that kind of thing which i did but i was wearing a metallica t-shirt at the time check out all of these shows and more on the we made this podcast network